As I get all set up here, I want to dismiss our children in worship, and that is for ages three to uh, fifth grade uh, to go and learn about God on their in their way. So it's going to be great. And I encourage you, parents. Uh, you know, they get sent home a uh, a paper with that uh, has just like a little coloring side and some usually some information on what the lesson was. Uh, please use that as a way to talk to your kids. Uh, I know if your kids are like mine, that when you ask them what they learn, they usually will say nothing. They didn't teach us anything. Um, And so on behalf of the teachers, yes, they did. (laughs) Uh, And uh, you can use that to ask some good questions for them. Um, So uh, my name is Greg. Um, I'm the children and youth director here, and I get to be a part of the the teaching team here. And uh, this morning, I was not supposed to teach. Um, <laughs> uh, some of you guys may know we were looking forward to having a guest uh, speaker today, and unfortunately, uh, he fell sick. Um, not too sick, but uh, he just lost a very important thing. That was his voice. Uh, it seems to be a key part of preaching, and so uh, he uh, cannot make it today. Uh, so I was uh, tapped to kind of jump in his place. Um, so uh, not that you ever want to start off with apologizing for anything, but I will apologize at least for a lack of slides and uh, certain things like that, and that today's uh, sermon might be a little bit shorter, which I figured no one will complain about, um, and, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Um, we'll be uh, learning a little bit. You know, I've got the benefit of being a part of uh, s- uh, seminary uh, classes, and uh, I figured, you know, t- you guys can gotta get a little bit of a taste of what my wife goes through, uh, of having to learn what I'm learning, and, uh, and uh, we can all just hopefully benefit from that. Uh, we'll be learning some things from Romans 5. I figure when in doubt, go to Romans. And so uh, we're going to be in Romans 5, verses 12 through 21 is where we're going to be. And uh, we'll be learning about also, I'm going to bring up this person called St. Augustine. Uh, he's one of uh, the, the fathers of our faith. And, and he just lays out a lot of uh, interesting things. And so if you hear his name, that's, that's part, coming from my paper, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the, I had to read his book, and it was a dense read, but it was a good read. And so um, that's where he comes from, and that's why we're, we're bringing him up. So, uh, But we're, like I said, we're going to be in Romans 5, verses 12 through 21. So I'm going to read that, and uh, I have the Spanish on the, on the projector, but the English, you guys uh, got to go old school and look it up yourself. So uh, let's read together. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not charged against anyone's account where there was no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who uh, did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who is a pattern uh, of the one to come. But the gift is uh, not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that uh, came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death uh, reigned through the one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundance provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation 
of all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of the one man, uh, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many were made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespasses might increase, but where sin increases, grace increases all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lot said there. Obviously, this is a Paul uh, letter. There's so much being uh, uh, said in such a little amount of space. Um, and so let's just kind of go through this uh, verse by verse and break this down. Because like I said, when you read through that, I mean, unless you just caught it the first time, I know when I read through that, I was like, what did he just say? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, so verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man uh, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Uh, what this is referring to is Genesis 3. Uh, what this is referring to is the fact that when God created everything, it was perfect. It was beautiful. Everything was the way that it was supposed to be. And at that time, uh, you know, they had this, uh, this ability to be completely, uh, the Bible says, naked. And, that, and we should understand that, yes, physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. They, they had no shame. There was a direct connection to God. They, they had nothing to be, uh, to be embarrassed about, to hide away. They were just completely open with God. And there was this great relationship. And then all of a sudden, through a conversation with a serpent, uh, Eve uh, is deceived, and right with her is Adam. And their, their deception is something that is interesting. When you look at what they were deceived by, it was not with anything that was low. And what I mean by that is it wasn't the things that we naturally would assume would tempt us. It wasn't uh, sex. It wasn't money. It wasn't uh, more power. It wasn't status. It was, any, not, it was none of those things that they tempted them that would tempt us so often. Instead, what tempts Adam and Eve is the same thing that tempted Satan, which is to be God. That's what he uses to tempt them is the same temptation that he fell to, to be God. Not to be under him, but to be him, to be greater than him, in fact. And so they, they sin. They eat of the tree of, uh, of knowledge, of good and evil. And all of a sudden, they feel this thing, this shame comes on them. Now, it's important to notice this is a new feeling. This is a new emotion to them. They would have never felt this before. All of a sudden, they are filled with shame. And, and uh, Augustine points out that this is a point where you see the, the physical body and the soul, the spirit, separate from one another. That there seems to be now a battle. What used to be all in line, the spirit used to always have full authority over our bodies. Now there's a separation of that. And what I mean by that. It's something actually Jesus is going to talk about in Matthew 26, 41, when he's talking about his disciples, and he's talking about this idea that, you know, they are, they're, they're supposed to be getting ready. You know, Jesus is about to, to go and be crucified. He's trying to prep them, and he, he tells them that they need to pray. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's pointing out the fact that there, there's, there's a battle there. And for each of us, and maybe we can recognize this, uh, as we've gone through the tools of uh, what God's going to use to mold us, to shape us, there, there maybe is a desire in you as you hear the sermon or as you thought about it, as you read through the paper, you're like, yes, I'm going to do that. 
I'm going to grow in this way. I'm going to, the, I'm, I just want to get closer to God in this way. But then there just seems like there's something battling against you to do that, to wake up a little bit earlier, to, uh, to actually give up a meal, to actually give up some funds, to, to do those things. There seems to be a physical battle happening inside you that says, the spirit wants to do this, my soul wants to do this, I want to grow in this way, but there's something else fighting me. It's the, it's the physical sin in our life. It's the, it's the stuff, that, 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 that battle that happened, and that comes from here, Genesis 3. When there was a separation, an authority was taken away from our, from our spirits. So what ends up happening is, is they are casted out. Adam and Eve are casted out. And what's, uh, what's interesting is, you know, God had told them that if they were to eat of the tree, then they would certainly die. It says that in Genesis 2, verse 17, it says, but, if, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And yet when they eat of it, they don't immediately die. It's not like they took a bite and then they, they flatlined right there. Instead, what they, you see is they now start their journey towards death. Death becomes a part of their story because before that, they were built to live forever. Even though they had tangible bodies, even though they, they had spirits, they were built to live forever. And, and the way that they were going to do that is they were going to be refreshed by the tree of life that is talked about in Genesis 3, verse 22. That if they ate of that, they would live forever. So it shows that there was this, they were built to live forever. They were built not to have death a part of their story, but because of their sin, now death becomes a part of their story and they start their journey towards death. Because of sin, because of their sin. Sin abounds after this moment. As you read through Genesis, you'll notice that we just continue to sin and sin and sin in all different ways. It says we do what's right in our own eyes, and, and no one uh, is able to do enough good to cover up their sin, but to be honest, no one even tries. They don't even try to do what God wants them to do. They just want to do their own thing constantly. What becomes apparent as you read through Genesis and much of the Old Testament is the fact that we need a Savior. We need help. We need Jesus. And so that's what Romans is talking about here in the very beginning. It says uh, in verse 14, it says, uh, death keeps reigning over us and the consequence of sin being a part of our lives. We are owned by the fact that each one of us will face death. And it looms over each one of us. It's not a happy conversation. In fact, most of us would rather hear about a hundred other th different things than the fact that we're all going to die. But that is a, a truth that has uh, passed down to us from Adam and Eve. Romans 5, verses 15 through 17 says, But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many die by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the results of the one man's sin. The judgment following one sin is uh, brought condemnation, but the gift following many trespasses is uh, brought justice, uh, justification. For if the trespass of one man's death uh, or death reigned through the one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So Adam and Eve sinned, and their sin brought death to all of us. 
Each one of us has to face that truth. But instead of allowing us to sit in that, instead of allowing us to just wallow in the fact that we messed things up, you know, God had every right to look at us and just wash his hands of us and say, you know, I, I gave you perfection. I gave you everything that you needed. I gave you all the food. I gave you all the authority of earth. I, I gave you it all. And I had one thing that I asked you not to do, and you did it. So whatever. I mean, he, he had every right to wash his hands. But instead, he got back down in the dirt. Just as he did when he formed us, it says that he got back into our mess to pull us out of our sin. So 2,000 years ago, God, the Son, uh, uh, God the Son, the, the second member of the Holy Trinity, came down to earth. And what's amazing is he entrusted himself to us, humanity, the ones who betrayed him constantly. He betrayed, or he entrusted uh, himself to a, a young wife-to-be. He lived a sinless life, and around the age of 30, he started his ministry, preaching the coming of the kingdom of God, his kingdom. He's driven out of towns. People argue with him constantly. They reject his truth. They reject him constantly. They push him out, and yet even though we constantly don't want to hear what he has to say, he pushes towards the goal of restoring a connection of us and him. As mighty as Adam and Eve's sin is, uh, it's nothing compared to what God did on that cross. The sacrifice that Jesus made willingly, allowing himself to be beaten for our sins to the point, as Isaiah the prophet says, that he was almost not recognized as a human being anymore. He was just a more of a pile of flesh, as Isaiah says. He was beaten, and then he's mocked, and he's ridiculed, and he's abandoned by the people who cared for him, who said that he was his, their brother, their friend, their Messiah. All of them abandoned him. And yet, even as he suffers through all of that, he still cares for us. Even through each breath that he takes on the cross, he prays for those people who are crying out for his death. As he draws his last breath, he yells out, it is finished. But yet his work truly wasn't finished. Because three days he remained dead, but on that Sunday morning, as the women went to the gravestone to, to, to prepare his body, to, to lay down things for his body, they found that the tomb was empty. It was empty. And so they searched around all over the place looking for who had taken the body and they asked the guards and they, they asked people all around them until they found him, Jesus, standing in front of them. Now hundreds of people came to see Jesus after his resurrection. People had conversations with him. People took walks with him. People ate with him. Hundreds of witnesses can testify to the fact that he rose again. And now he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he sits there waiting for us to come to understand who he is so that his kingdom can come back down. He is patient, not because he can't come down and do it right now, but because he wants to give us time and time to, to come to know who he is and time for us to uh, understand his kingdom and share it with more people and for more people to be welcomed into his kingdom for everyone who is called by his name to come to know, to know. 
Romans 5.17 says, For if by the trespass of one man's death, that would be Adam, death reigned through the, the one man, how much more uh, will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? How mighty the work our Lord Jesus has done. Verse 18 and 19 says, Consequently, just as one man's trespasses uh, resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justifications, uh, justification and life of all people. For just as though the uh, disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many were made righteous. So through Adam, death comes. But what's amazing is how God is able to use what was the result of sin to be our salvation. I think that's amazing. The only reason that death exists is because of the sin of Adam and Eve. That's the reason it's a part of each of our life. That was our inheritance from them. But God uses that thing, that consequence of our sin, to be the exact thing to save us. Because he comes down and he dies the death that we should have died. He, we trade all of our sins, all of our, our wrongdoing, all of our failures. We trade that. That's, this is the gospel. This is, if you're wondering why all these people come into this building and, and, and do this, it's this. It's this story right here. It's the gospel. It's the fact that we believe that we uh, have a Jesus. We have, we have this God-man who came down, and, and he, he lived this perfect life, and he trades his perfect life for us. And now we give our sins over to him. And he blesses us with righteousness. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. And he cares for us. So God uses the very thing that was the consequence of the first sin to be the thing to bring us righteousness. August, St. Augustine puts it this way, for the death was incurred by sinning, now righteousness is fulfilled by dying, by his death. Now, the thing to understand is this is not just done through this one way. Like, uh, you should know the way that God works is, is sometimes those things that bring us the most shame, those things in our past, those, those hurts in our past, those, those sins of our past. God will use those things so often to bring him glory, to, to highlight how great uh, and how good he is. Each one of us has things in our lives that we're ashamed of, that we, we would not want anyone to ever know about. We fear, in fact, some people may be finding out about certain things about our past, about decisions we've made, about things that have been done to us, hurts that have been done to us. And we don't want anyone to know those things. God knows them. And if you're willing he, to give it over to him, he will forgive you, and he will heal you, and he will restore you, and he will use those things for his glory if you're willing to hand it over to him. That's how good he is. It's not about how good we are. Don't get it twisted. It's not about us. It's about him. Every opportunity, we point back to him. So he uses the thing that was meant for our destruction to be our, to be our shame, and he turns that to be his glory. If you were willing to confess to Jesus, whatever it is that thing is, he will forgive you. 
And if you have hurts in your past, we have people here, we have elders who, you're, will, who will, as the Bible says, who will, will come across, around you and will heal you, or not heal you, will pray for you, pray for healing in your life. That's the job of an elder is to pray for healing in your life. And, and, and it's going to take time. This is not something that you're just going to lift up one time and be like, all right, I'm healed from this. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I have very rarely seen that happen in people's life. In fact, usually it's a journey, especially the deeper the wound. And so we invite you to be a part of our community of believers who, who are going to love you, who are going to stand with you. That even when it trips you up or you fail, that we still care for you. I believe that you can find that here at Sunrise, but obviously God's people are all over the place. That's the call of God's people is to love each other, to lift each other up towards God. Verse 21 says, So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I love that. You know what can be more real to you than death? God's grace. Uh, more than the fact that every one of us is going to die, we can know for a fact that God loves us and his grace abounds. For that to be more true to you than death itself is amazing and is a gift from God. And that's what Paul is talking about here. That's the gift that God gives us. That's the righteousness that we can take on from him. Like I said, this is going to be a, a short one. But I hope that... Uh, through this next song that we're going to sing together, that if this is the first time that you've heard this, that you would take time to, to, to process it, to think through the fact that this is our story, this is the gospel, and to see, is God calling you? I, I, well, I'm going to tell you right now, he's calling you. You're here today, he's calling you to know this, to believe it, to put it into practice. And, and we have elders here, Aaron's here, and I, I'm, I'm missing some elders, but I'm sure Bill's here. <laughs> they, they, they would love to pray with you. If you have hurts in your past that you want to just give to God, these men will pray with you. They love you. They want to see God's best for you. So if today you just feel like, I just need to give something to God, go to these guys. I didn't even ask them. I'm putting you on the spot, but I figured this is kind of what God... I got put on the spot, so now you do too. <laughs> God will want to do something amazing for you. So if this is the first time, or maybe you just needed to hear it again, for you to be willing to step up and just say, I, I, pray for me, can you pray for me? And these guys will do that. Maybe you, you have heard this a hundred times before, but I hope that maybe this has been still a good thing for you to hear again. It should be never a story we get tired of hearing because it kind of changed all of our lives. But I would ask you to then consider how can you live in a way that is, is like that, where you would, you would understand God's grace more than you understand death. That maybe you would understand that battle between spirit and flesh a little bit more clearly. But here's the amazing thing, is God doesn't just set us up and say, yeah, you're broken, good luck, wait till you get to heaven and I'll fix it. He then instead sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to be a part of that change. We no longer have our own authority over our own bodies, but we now give authority to God and the Holy Spirit empowers us to change. It's not you who needs to change. It's you need to submit to the Holy Spirit and allow him to change you inside you. So if there are things back there that you've been, you've been needing to change, there's, there's tools that you're feeling like, man, God's calling me to do that, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. So my question to you through this next song would be, what are some of those things that you need to submit to the Holy Spirit about?
What are those places that you need to, to grow in? What are those, those tools that he wants to use and you just got to be willing to hand it over to God so that he can use those things? What are those things that you need to start doing? What are those things that you need to stop doing? Give you time to pray and talk to God around that. So I'm going to pray and I'll get out of his way. So you join me. God, I thank you so much just for this time. God, I thank you for your words in Roman, for the fact that you laid it out, the fact that you uh, didn't leave us in our mess. You didn't leave us uh, to the side, but you got down in the dirt with us. And you've been brushing us off. You've been teaching us. You've been growing us. And God, I just pray right now that you would help us to hear that anew again. The fact that you love us, that you call us out of sin, you call us into righteousness. God, I thank you that you didn't leave us uh, with just the inheritance of Adam and Eve, but you gave us a new inheritance of your kingdom, God, that we can now be known as your sons and daughters. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you for your care. And God, I pray right now that anyone who is holding back would just step over that line to you, Jesus. God, help us as we sing out our praise to hear a word specifically from you about how we continue to grow. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.